Hey, 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 everybody. My name is Ryan Atkinson, and you are on BizCloud. We have a conversation with Jack Jones today, the co-founder of Sumer Sports, on to talk about all things NFL analytics. Uh, Summer Sports is tackling Rostin. Hey, 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 everybody. My name is Ryan Atkinson, and you are on the BizCloud. We have a conversation with Jack Jones today talking about all things NFL analytics. Jack is the co-founder of Sumer Sports, which is tackling roster building by using the latest analytics to create algorithms that will shape teams. We dive into the platform and how they are positively disrupting how NFL teams build their rosters. This is a great conversation. And if you enjoyed it, please rate this episode and share it with a friend. It means a lot to me. So let's dive in. Welcome, Jack, to the podcast. Super excited to have you. Ryan, thanks for having me on. It's a privilege. I'm happy to jump on and have a, a great and fun conversation about roster building and what we're doing here at Sumer to try to streamline that process. Yes, I'm a huge football fan. All my A lot of my audience will know that as well. And you are tackling in this the NFL realm. Um, so before we get started on that, I got to ask, who is a favorite football player and a memory from that player? Awesome. Yeah, I know. So I'm I'm actually from Connecticut. And I'm a diehard New York Giants fan. Uh, my, my favorite player of, of all time is, is Eli Manning. He, when he was well, originally drafted the Chargers, but when the, the Giants traded up for him in 2004, I think I was about seven at the time. So that's really when my, my fandom took off and uh, followed him ever since. And I think, you know, my, my favorite moment, it's, it's pretty predictable, but I, I don't know how, it, how for a young Giant fan, any other moment would suffice. It's uh, the 2007 Super Bowl, yep. the helmet catch, that play, I was actually at that game and um, I honestly didn't see the play. Uh, I didn't see the actual result of the play because I thought he had gotten sacked and I had my my head in my shirt because I was so devastated because it was going to be fourth and very long and our, our chances, I say, are. Oh, that's how big of a fan I am, although obviously yeah. I'm, I'm not a part of the team. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I could hear the crowd roar and I remember coming, basically pulling my face out of the shirt and noticing that we had matriculated the ball about 40 yards down the field. And uh, to this day, that's that's probably one of the most special moments I've had, kind of beating the so-called evil empire with Brady Moss and, and Belichick. Is that a top five NFL moment ever, do you think? Oh, for sure. Yeah. As a 10-year-old kid going against the 18-0 Patriots and watching your your team be able to, to beat them at the, at the grandest stage, yeah, no, that's for me, that's that's got to be probably number one. Yeah, and what I like, the Giants, like, they've had a few, like, bad years the past, this year, previous to this year, they had a great year this year, but, like, the past, like, three or four years hasn't been phenomenal, but they, you cannot underestimate, they won two Super Bowls within, like, a decade of each other, and some teams have yeah. never won a Super Bowl, so people need to put a little bit more respect on the Giants. Exactly, it's it's all perspective, right? I, I mean, we, they had a tough six years, but I, I keep remembering that I had the, uh, the privilege of being able to watch my team win two Super Bowls from... Uh, when I was 10 years old to 14. So pretty special. Both against Tom Brady as well, which exactly is, you have to note that one. <laughs> yep. Couldn't but have scripted it better. <laughs> could not have scripted it better. But take me through your love of like football. So you're a huge Giants fan and you have this thing called Sumer Sports. Can you just take us a little bit more about how this idea started and what it is? Yeah. So first of all, I've been a diehard football fan my, pretty much my whole life. Um, I played football. I wasn't very good at it, but I played football for 10 <laughs> years from Pee Wee up until the end of high school. And yeah, always been an avid football fan. 
Another thing that definitely loved managing was was fantasy football. And actually, my dad and I, we share many passions, but two two of our biggest passions are numbers and football. Mm. And so naturally, we we co-managed a, a fantasy league together. But year after year, we, we really couldn't break into the finals. And yep. actually, last year, or yeah, last Jan, not this past January, but about 13 months ago, we, we started to think like there's got to be a smarter way of constructing a roster, trying to use some of the roster building tools that NFL teams have. And it turned out that there was no real roster optimization technology out there on the NFL side. And that's yeah. kind of where, believe it or not, the idea sparked was as effective as NFL front offices are, they aren't really leveraging digitalization in a sense what you could systemize all of these individual processes into a system that, you know, into a digital platform that allows you to make more effective and transparent decisions. So that was something that we really were intrigued about because obviously optimization has excelled in many other industries and yeah. we thought you know, applying it to football would make a lot of sense and and also be able to help a lot of front offices in streamlining their roster management processes and practices. Yeah. So how old like how old were you when it was like, oh, like front offices could actually like use data and like a systemized approach in a better way? Yeah. So I was so I'm 26 now, I was 25 back then. Yeah. Uh, I was actually just about to finish up my master's in data science at NYU. Sweet. And I took a leave of absence. So I still have one more class to, to complete <laughs> by 2025 to actually get my master's. But yeah, I took a leave of absence for the past year and have been pursuing this this startup with our CEO, Thomas Dimitrov, and haven't looked back. And so far, it's it's been probably the most challenging oh, yeah. uh, as well as exciting endeavor that I've, I've, I've had the privilege of, of being able to experience for the past year. Yeah. So like, what was the first step once you guys identified this challenge? Was it going out and getting someone that like Thomas, who was worked for as a general manager for the Falcons for multiple years, or I, maybe I just gave that away, but like, what was the first step for you guys? Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. For us, it was finding, finding that leader. From my perspective, Thomas Dimitrov, he brings so much value and experience from the league. Our company is in the business of producing our products to help, help NFL teams do their jobs more efficiently. And, and uh, we really wanted someone at the head who had that domain expertise and had that perspective. Because one of the things that we always try to strive for is creating a, pro a product that isn't a replacement tool, but an augmentation tool. And we are very aware of the intricacies and expertise that involves in the front office. And a piece of software can't just magically replace or or better what people are doing currently right now, but it can augment. And that was kind of that synergy we wanted to create with bringing Thomas on, who brings so much league experience and so much managerial experience that is really helpful for someone like me, who's only 26 years old and has a great idea, but definitely wants to leverage the experience and expertise of someone who's actually lived through that process. Yeah. And that just has to help like with breaking into some of these teams, because it's a lot different going as a CEO of someone that's who has been the general manager for an NFL team instead of no offense, like, like a 20, like a 25 year old. It's like, Oh, like, yeah, hey, no, here's a platform for you. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I think that's, that's another strong suit with Thomas yeah. is he's, he's so well connected and well respected across the league that it gives us opportunities. And for the lack of a better term, gives us a foot in the door in, in a much more enticing way than, than if we weren't to have him. Additionally, 
just bringing in that managerial experience also is just really helpful to have a mentor like that. But yeah, no, it's it's been great. And it's really interesting to have him heading the whole thing because like I said, those connections are so strong, but also just from an administrative standpoint, it's really helpful having having that that experience and uh, and that that guidance. Yeah. So take me through the head of someone who is using your platform. What first off, what does that title look like? Who's like your main like person you guys like who uses? Yeah. So our our primary audience here is a general manager. We okay. want so our our product Marvel, which stands for maximize roster value. That's it's it's essentially, you know, it's a roster optimization tool, or what we envision it being is a 365 day roster optimization tool that is essentially the GM's best friend. It's a digital platform that collates all of the data that a club is producing, as well as supplementary data that we're producing. It collates it and then optimizes it to provide optimal recommendations for roster construction and roster building. So our primary audience is the general manager, uh, while we also have secondary audiences yeah. such as director of analytics, head of football administration, i.e., you know, some of the cap guys as well as personnel type roles. We really want this platform to be very useful in that it allows them to organize transparently and efficiently all their data and give back recommendations that really fit that team scheme and and kind of direction. Yeah. So yeah. So let me so I'm the director or I'm the general manager. I, I I'm using the Marvel platform. So are you guys gonna yeah. be able to we run a three, four defense. We're going to be able to put the best person at outside linebacker based off like X, Y, Z variables. Is that kind of how the platform works? Yeah. So we, a big part of Marvel is we don't want this to be some standardized platform that is yeah. spitting back recommendations that are the same for one team as the other, right? Yeah. Uh, we, we want this to the extent we could customize this product to the teams we want to. Now, obviously there's, there's a trade-off there, right? Because yeah. The engineering lift and the technical <laughs> customized all 32 teams with whatever they request, that's not sustainable, or at least in it, right now. But we do want to have some customizations as well as prioritize club input. That's really important for us, whether that be club evaluations, how clubs view positions and how important positions are. Stuff like that is is stuff that we really rely on on the club to provide, so we can then spit back recommendations that are really catered towards their schemes and their and their uh, their direction they're moving the, the club in. That's sweet. So you could prioritize prioritize like if looking at defense, like like a middle linebacker is our biggest priority, and you guys are going to be able to spit out the recommendations about the best way to like best linebacker to get. Or... Yeah. So yeah, pr- yeah, somewhat. So essentially. We, yeah, again, with, with optimization, we look at it really, we view roster management as a discrete optimization problem where a roster has 53 fixed spots, right? And you have certain amount of money this year or in the new year, new league year will be $225 million, right? So you have a certain amount of money you can spend, and then you have a certain amount of assets and draft capital, right? And it's the optimization problem, essentially, how do you use all of that money and your draft capital? to find a combination of 53 players that maximize your roster value over a certain projection horizon or over a certain amount of years, right? Because when you're optimizing, you can't just think about the current year, right? Because there are implications in the future. So it really depends on how the club wants to weight that horizon. But we try to look at this optimization problem as a combination of players, not an individual player. Because the greedy approach where it's, oh, we have a huge need, we have to fill this now, 
tends to not be optimal. It tends to be suboptimal most of the time. So it's not necessarily they're going to be telling us we need a linebacker. It's more once they communicate to us how important these positions are within their schemes, we're going to find the proper combination that packs the most amount of value into the roster, given the constraints of the salary cap and how many draft picks you have. So it, full transparency, like that, that's the goal, right? That's the goal, that optimization. But it was a very complex and difficult game, right? So being able to optimize rosters is no easy task, right? There's so many facets of roster building that have to be modeled out before you could even feed that into an optimizer to where it produces smart results. So I think one of the things at Sumer that we've really been focusing on and actually learning from is there, there are steps, right? And it has to be yeah. iterative. And you can't just shoot for the moon on the first on the first go round, right? Because yeah, exactly. Because you have timelines and you have deliverables and you have to hit them. Um, so one of the things we learned through this this past year is optimization is our goal. It, it, it's mm -hmm. it's the foundation of Sumer, right? That's yeah. that's what we all our products we want to be based in optimization, but it's a multi step process. And I think part of the challenge is we have like for instance, right now we have you know, 50 plus submodels that are feeding into our roster optimization and being able to earn the trust of our, of our pilot clubs about those models before just having them assume that the optimization is correct is, is a huge, huge task and a huge challenge that we have to meet, right? Because you can't just say, oh, this is your, this is your <laughs> roster value over the next four years. Here it is, right? Before they could buy into that, that number and really trust it, they have to, they one have to understand it. And, and two, have to validate it. So from our perspective, it's really, it's been really, uh, it's been really encouraging getting feedback from our, our pilot clubs uh, as to what are the so-called guts or the, the, the ingredients that's going into the optimizer and how do we gain trust in that before we accept this universal number? So that's something that we've been, we've learned a lot from and something that we are prioritizing going forward as well. Yeah, I mean, it's an easy comparison to make to Moneyball, but it's a way more advanced Moneyball in a sense. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's it, yeah, there are definitely similarities. It's just, it's really interesting because football is quite different from baseball in that one of the reasons why baseball is so analytically advanced, and I say this with all due respect to baseball fans, is it's <laughs> just, it's a much simpler game to model than football, right? It's a much more about, it's much more matchup-based, individualistic game, right, where it's, a batter versus a pitcher versus a batter, right? Yeah. And that 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 determines a large outcome of the play. Whereas in football, you have 22 players moving dynamically across the field. Yep. Or for the most part, 17, five of the offensive linemen that kind of have to stay yeah. in their relative zones. But you have 22 people. There's so many variables okay. that it's really hard to model. And I think that's that's part of the reason why football analytics is is behind baseball and that it's such a challenging problem. And when you look at something even like, for instance, player evaluation, at Sumer, we're really focusing, you know, top-down approach and we're trying to evaluate rosters and trying yeah. to define the universe of proposed rosters you could build within a salary cap and, and, right. and draft, right? So, but before you even get to that high-level step, right, the bottom-up approach is player evaluation and teams are doing an excellent job leveraging whether it be scouting expertise or player jacking data yeah. in in evaluating their players but it's not perfect and even uh, third-party vendors are spending a lot of resources and time in trying to tackle player evaluation and they've done an excellent job but again it's not perfect because it's really hard to assign credit to 22 players on a given play so i think that's one reason why 
in football, it's it's slightly behind or it's, it's drastically behind baseball. It's because it's it's a much more challenging problem. And obviously, before you could solve roster optimization, you have to have the right ingredients going into it. I use the example of, of an apple pie, right? If you don't have good ingredients, the apple pie is going to taste bad, right? If you don't have good player evaluation, then you're not going to have good optimizations. Because again, at the end of the day, all all optimization is it's just math, right? It's yeah. you know, it's not it's it's just it's it's based in a mathematical theory that it's going to take what you give it and it's going to optimize it. Now, whether that's good or bad depends on the inputs that you're providing. Yeah, I, that's what. So it's the inputs that you provide that is ultimately going to get to that top down approach where yeah. like that is actually really good but like as you said like you need to have good ingredients in there to actually make a model exactly. that yeah. works and you can yeah. trust i'm curious like so you touched on it a little bit but i want to expand on it the state of like the nfl right now and their analytics approach have you seen a shift like recently where it's like okay we want to get more analytical because uh, i'm a huge carolina panthers fan we've talked about that um before but they're they're adopting this like data-driven approach as they say anyways the, the results still need to show it but um have you seen like a shift in the past like year year and a half where people are trying to adapt analytics more in football yeah i mean i think i think we're definitely seeing more positions open up within teams yeah. around that that analytics role than you're seeing you know uh people like Kwesi at Alfamensa joining the Vikings as the general manager coming from that analytics background. Yep. And you you see teams who weren't traditionally hiring analytics staffers are are starting to onboard uh, more within that department. So I definitely think we're starting to see a shift towards a more analytical approach, which I think makes sense when you look at the emerging technology that's becoming available, the tracking data, right? That's 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 a gold mine right there of Every tenth of a second of a play, you have a player's X, Y location, his velocities, acceleration, yeah. right? So you have all the spatial relationships within frames of a play. So I definitely think that yes, uh, analytics is is taking a little is playing a little bit bigger of a role now. We're starting to see that shift. Um, however, with that being said, I do think that the one thing that's really challenging for teams is they're on the football clock, right? So they don't have the luxury we have here at Sumer of being able to focus on a single problem for 365 days, Yeah, right? Because they are either in the season or it's a draft or it's free agency or it's roster cutdowns. And a lot of these analytics staffers are being pulled every which way, whether it be from coaches, from scouts, uh, to, hey, could you do this? Or, hey, we got to prep for this game, right? So it's really yep. hard to focus on one problem because it's it's such a busy season and there's so much going on, right? So have the ultimate respect for for a lot of those analytical staffers on the teams because they have to keep up with the football clock, which is mm. a fast ticking clock. <laughs> Whereas with us, what's what's really fortunate is we could actually really focus on one facet of football, right? Mm. Roster management and be able to direct all of our resources and time into pouring over that problem and trying to figure out best practices without having to be uh, distracted by by other demands that are being requested. Yeah. I feel like the off season has to be like a really big time for you guys because obviously that's when people are starting to like really assemble their rosters and yeah. put together a team for the next year. And this would be the, like the perfect time to use you, right? Yes, definitely. Yeah. So uh, look, eventually we want to be a 365 day tool where mm -hmm. marbles being used daily. But to start, the, the big thing we're focusing on in our beta product is is the draft and yeah. and trying to figure out how to come up with an optimal draft sequence based on everything that's happening 
up to draft leading up to draft day and as well as on draft day that is so cool yeah i think like the draft day i don't know like what the analytics go on behind it but it like what what are the analytics that even go into the draft right now obviously it's like okay well we need a cornerback right now like who's the best available but like are there analytics that really go into like a draft i don't know yeah so i think i mean i think teams are there I'm, I'm sure teams are doing a great job in first of all projecting availability right so which players are going to be available where mm-hmm. and when that's that's something that's really important as well as trying to teams needs and certain teams need x other teams need y this is important for understanding when to trade i think other teams are doing a great job in in understanding draft trade charts and trying to figure out how to gain surplus value on certain players that might be viewed as uh highly regarded across the league but you don't necessarily you know you don't necessarily regard them that high and, and might want to trade back right I think what we're trying to do with Marvel and in our beta product is be able to take all of these individual modeling and uh, in these individual models and be able to systemize them into a digital platform that takes all that into account and updates in real time throughout the draft. So if, if someone is, is selected, right, the, the optimizer recalibrates and then understands, okay, these are the new availabilities. Yep. This is the suggestion. And based on if you were to take this person, this is who we think you should take with your remaining picks, stuff like that. Yeah, that's interesting. Where did like your love for like numbers come from? Obviously, your dad's like huge in the investment world. Um, and I actually do want to ask about that. So he started the Tudor Investment Corporation and manages $13 billion in assets. That is so, so cool. Um, what's like, what's one thing that you learned from him growing up that you apply to business like every day? Yeah. So I think one of the biggest things is is the ability to frame mm-hmm. at a high high level yeah. um from my perspective like our team at sumer we have some some very brilliant people on the team people are yeah. a lot smarter than me <laughs> and you know, i think it's it's my responsibility as well as thomas's responsibility to be able to frame this problem in a way that is it's very digestible not just internally here at sumer That's... but also externally for our users and our and our clubs right cuz this is a highly technical piece of software that we're delivering to people who are not from a very technical background right mm-hmm. most of the most of the club's front offices come from a scouting background or or something not necessarily in tech so it's really important for us to be able to frame it in a way that makes sense to them and resonates with them uh not only for adoption but also for the maximum yeah for 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 maximum effort in actually using uh the tool but I think that's that's the big thing is being able to take really complex problems and comprehend and yeah comprehensive problems and be able to frame them in a way that really makes sense and and resonates in layman's terms. Yeah, a lot of the like general men, general managers they're probably uh, just general bracket range like thirty five to like fifty five sixty plus. So they probably grew up on like pens and papers like with their scouting report so like you said being able to frame this in a way that they can actually digest and understand i think is a huge like thing that you have to do like in your seat mm-hmm. and creating creating these these systematic processes right these user flows that align with, with what they've always been doing manually but just digitizing yeah. it right digitalizing it right so making it more efficient for them but not making it foreign to them so for us we we don't want to come in and, and replace everything that they've yeah. they've learned and that they're executing because they're obviously the experts they yeah they know what they're doing i mean that's why they're in that chair we just want to leverage 
we want to leverage the the modern advancements in technology and provide digitalization to allow them to do their jobs more efficiently and more quickly, right? So that that's really what we're trying to do is bring that digitalization uh, effect to to roster management to make sure that all these great processes that they're doing manually and kind of individually, we yeah. we create a more comprehensive and systematic platform for them to really their productivity and and their efficiency in making their decisions. Yeah. What I really like about what you're saying is like, I feel like a lot of it's like software has been disrupted with like CRMs and like you should look mm-hmm. for industries that haven't been disrupted, like like HVACs or Windows or just something, for mm-hmm. example. And I feel like a lot of people don't think of like the NFL, like, yeah. like the NFL is still kind of lagging behind, maybe not lagging behind because they're not, but like technology like this, they just, there just hasn't been something like it. And so that's a huge disruption factor for NFL teams to adapt. And once you get one successful case study, it's like everyone I imagine has to be like, oh crap, like we need this too. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's the goal. And for sure. And, and we want this to be a positive disruption, right? We, again, we want this, this, this platform and and we want Marvel to be able to, uh, to resonate with the people in these chairs, right? In these front offices, the GMs, these AGMs, really as these are very similar practices to what they're doing. It's just digitalized, right? And it's just allowing for a more comprehensive and transparent process that's being displayed back to you at, through an interface rather than having more of these manual one-off conversations <laughs> and, and, and business practices. Yeah, that's awesome. We're winding down on time. These goes by so quick every time. But I just want to ask um, just a few more questions for you. I mean, so you, you've been going at it for a year, almost two now. I'm just curious, like looking back on, I mean, it's got to be pretty, pretty incredible to see like how you've grown. Um, what's like one area that you're like super proud of yourself in the past two years of operating? Yeah, it's no, it's super gratifying. I think that the biggest area for me of of what I've improved upon and what I still need to improve upon is uh, yeah, just just organization skills. Yeah. Like I, I consider myself a pretty organized person even before before starting Sumer. But we're we're at twenty five people now, so there's yeah. just for me the biggest thing is is communication and actually writing stuff down and documenting yeah. it. Because you'd be surprised how how much that helps when you write something down instead of verbally verbally agreeing to it. I think one when you write stuff down it allows you uh, to get your thoughts out in a coherent manner and, and, and not just babble. And I think too, it's it, when you write something down and send it to someone, you always have something to refer to. Uh, so there's no miscommunication. There's no confusion as to what you were trying to communicate. And it's pretty well understood that, Hey, this is, this is what, this is my suggestion, or this is my question. This is my comment. So I think for me, organization and just being very clear with communication and documenting it has been something that I've improved a lot on over this past year, as well as what I still need to improve on. For sure. <laughs> I love it. And if someone gave you like a big megaphone that you could like scream out into the world, I mean, like what's like one takeaway you would give people to basically like do what they want to do? I mean, what's like the megaphone that you take, just any takeaway that you have in life that you like hold on to? Yeah, well, I think especially in software and trying to deliver a product, it's, it's I'd scream three times, simplify, <laughs> simplify, simplify. I think when we first started and we were scoping out our product, we were admittedly overly ambitious on what we thought we could produce in the time we had. And I think now we've learned that it's better to simplify and get something out to get feedback 
rather than try to build everything at once and deliver it all at once. Um, that seems very obvious and maybe it is, but at the time that was something that I don't think we as a team grasped enough, but now it's, it's really simplify, 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 and make sure that you just get something modeled, deployed, yeah. built, and being able to display to your user to get feedback, right? I think that's that's a big thing because everyone wants it to be that perfect product. But again, nothing's ever perfect and it's all about iteration and you can't iterate if you don't have something to present. So that that would be the thing I would scream, especially if 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 you're in software. Simplify, simplify, simplify. Simplify, simplify, simplify. And we're gonna simplify with two more questions for you real quick. You plug in Eli Manning. What's his What's his probability he is a Hall of Famer when he is? What is he? Was I know it's a hot topic. What would you, What would you put it at? What would the model say? Yeah. So I don't know. We We don't have a specific model for that, but I'll give you my my gut and <laughs> subjective opinion. And uh, I'm gonna say 99.99 percent. No, I'm 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 kind of joking, but no. Kinda. I mean, kinda. From my perspective, from my perspective as a Giants fan. I might be a little biased for him to have played that long and to have delivered those two Super Bowls, especially in 2011, the way he played as a Walter Payton man of the year and that, that longevity of, of a career. To me, it's a no-brainer, but again, I, I digress. <laughs> and then last question for you. We have Eagles Chiefs coming up in six days. Who do you have in the Super Bowl? Do you have to root for the Chiefs as you're a Giants fan or who do you got going? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I do. I, so admittedly, they're two of my least favorite teams, not in a bad way. I have the ultimate respect for, for both Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes, as well as Andy Reid and, and, and yeah. Nick Sirianni. I just, I'm a Giants fan, so I don't, I don't love the Eagles. And the Chiefs have always been so dominant that I would have liked to see it. another team in the Super Bowl this year. But with that being said, yeah, no, I'm definitely pulling for the Chiefs over the Eagles. And, uh, I think that, uh, man, I think I think the Chiefs, I think they're going to win. I think they're going to win 34-27. And as long as they could stop the run, I think they have a shot. But that's a big if because that Eagles roster is unreal. It is unreal. And Jack, you have been unreal. And I want to applaud you. Thank you so much for coming on the Business Cloud. You were a great guest. Super thankful we get this one recorded and to get you on. You were awesome. Thank you so, so much. Well, I appreciate it, Ryan. It's been a privilege. Thanks for having me on. I'm honored. And, uh, and yeah, thank you.